0: A very good Wednesday morning to you. I hope you've had a great start to your day and are ready to get into God's Word. Whether you have a cup of coffee in your hands, I, I hope that you have a Bible in your hand and are ready to look at God's Word. Today is an interesting day in Holy Week. Wednesday. It's an interesting week because, unlike the days that preceded, it's a very slow day. Not much is written on it, and uh, it's often called a day of rest. It seems to be a day in which Jesus stayed back in Bethany and rested with his disciples, a peaceful day, a day with friends. And uh, so, as it is a day of rest for our Lord in Holy Week, it will be so for us as well, as we'll have a much shorter time today in the Word. But I pray it'll be fruitful. Compared to the days that have preceded this day, uh, which were full of action, you can imagine the triumphant entry on Palm Sunday, and then the activity of cleansing the courts of the Gentiles and the cursing the fig tree on Monday. And then yesterday, an incredibly full day of teaching and debating and the proclamation of Christ's authority and, of course, the Olivet Discourse. And you come to Wednesday and there's not much there. It's a, an interesting transitionary period, if you will, a day of rest and reflection, a calm, if you will, before the coming storm. Christ knows what's ahead. And so we need to see as we look at today's text, let's begin where we always should begin with the word of God. We're going to read Mark chapter 14, verse 3 through 11. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. And there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than three hundred denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. You will always have the poor with you. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not always have. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial to her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And so we sought how he might conveniently betray him. My friends, what an amazing text this is. There's not much. We have a a day of rest, it seems, in Bethany. And at some point during this day, Jesus is found in the house of Simon the leper. And there's much debate over who this person was. It seems that Jesus feels very comfortable to go to his house. It's a place that you might find him in Bethany, a place uh, where Uh, We could assume he felt invited and at home. It may very well be that this Simon was a very important person in the disciples of Christ. Not one of the twelve, of course, but uh, another follower of Christ in the way that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were. And so they're found. He's found there in their home. And we come to this beautiful moment, this great moment of adoration of who Christ is. A woman. It doesn't identify her here in Mark's gospel, but we know that John tells us, don't we? He says it was Mary. It was Lazarus's sister. In fact, Lazarus is at this meal, and uh, Martha is, is busy working, as she often is, and it's Mary here who, uh, in this great love and adoration for Christ, she comes, and she anoints him with this oil. And it would seem that this great act of devotion and love would be cherished by all, but, but notice it isn't taken that way. Many who were there, or at least some who were there, it says, were indignant among themselves. They thought that anointing Christ with this oil was a waste of a costly oil. Mark records that it said it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii, and this is an incredible amount of money. You can imagine that this would be like a year's wages, for a worker in that day. I mean, can you imagine uh, something worth a year's wages just being used in a moment? Some there said this could have been sold and given to the poor. In other words, this could have been used for some sort of mission or some sort of good work, And, and certainly there is a call for such a thing, isn't there? We are called to be a people who think of using our resources wisely, who put the mission of God in a place of importance, that we would be looking as to how we can bless people, how we can meet the needs of others. And we are called to meet the needs of those that are poor and suffering. And yet Jesus says, in response to this criticism, to leave her alone, to not trouble her. Don't chastise her. She has done a good work for me. In other words, there are times that it is appropriate to adore Christ, to Uh, do something extravagant for him. I think we need to be careful in how we read this text as thinking this is a license for just spending tremendous amounts of money however we want, but claiming it's for God's glory. That's not what happens here. I think the amazing thing about this is it's just the most precious thing she had. As Mary looked around at the things that she had that she might bless Christ with, it was the most valuable thing she had. That brings me back to Chapter twelve of this great book Mark chapter twelve in that long list of things that happened on Tuesday there was one I skipped over you may have noticed The Widow's Mite. All the disciples were marveling at those that gave great amounts, but, but Christ noticed this widow, who didn't give some out of an abundance, but out of her leanness, out of her little she gave all she had. That was the gift that mattered. That was the gift that Christ recognized. Likewise here, Mary has something very valuable, but it's in her heart's desire to lavish it upon Jesus. You see, it's her heart's motivation that is commendable. It's her sacrifice, just as that widow had sacrificed all that she had, the most valuable thing she had, her remaining might. So Mary here sacrifices what she has that's so valuable, this oil of spikenard. And she anoints Christ's head. Now it's interesting that Jesus says, if you really care about the poor, you will always have them to take care of. But you will not always have me, he said. I will not always be here in the flesh for you to do an act of love or service or devotion. He says, she has come to do what she could do to do all she could do to to lavish her love upon Christ, to to show her adoration for him and for his glory and majesty. He says that she has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Now, dear friends, I don't think we're to take that Mary here had some understanding fully of what Christ had ahead of him. But it's interesting that maybe she had a better vision of it than others did that Christ wouldn't always be there. Not in the flesh, not sitting at a table, not so near at hand. And that if there's a moment to show him our love and devotion, it is the moment we're in. We might make a devotional point there to say, all those people that say, well, one day I hope to, uh, to serve the Lord or one day I hope uh, to have time to get more involved in church. What better moment than the present moment of all the things to put off the last thing we should put off is adoration and service to the Lord. Those should be our priorities. I like what R. Allen Cole wrote in his commentary on Mark. He said this, Jesus may have meant that at his burial, loving hands would lavish costly spices on him, as Mary had just done. And if it was not a waste then, it was not a waste now. I like that. Isn't that true? If it is not a waste of such such an expensive oil to anoint Christ's dead body, then why would it be a waste to anoint him now, to show your love and appreciation to him now while you can? This was a memorable moment because Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the entire world, in the whole world, what this woman has done will be also told as memorial to her. We know that Christ was prophetic there because we're talking about it right now in fulfillment of the very word of Christ. We are speaking of what she did here, this great act of love and devotion. Isn't it interesting if we were to turn to John's gospel, we would find another interesting detail that Mark doesn't give us that helps bring this together. There's a lack of understanding as we were to look back at Mark 12 and the widow's mite. They don't understand what Christ is saying. And then you see this, and there's some complaining amongst the disciples, amongst those who are there, uh, about the costliness of this oil and how it wasn't a good use to anoint Christ. It should have been sold. If we turn to John's gospel, we learn at the center of that was Judas Iscariot. He's at the center of this controversy. He is the one saying that it could have been sold. We could have done something better with this than anoint Christ. Hmm. It's interesting that John tells us that he didn't say this out of a piety or some devotion to the poor, or that he even cared about the poor, it said, But he was in charge of the money bag, and he was greedy. In other words, it wasn't even a legitimate complaint, at least with Judas. Maybe the other disciples had become convinced, maybe Judas had convinced them of the piety of his concern, that it would have been better to have done something different with it. maybe take care of the poor. It's interesting to me that the disciples are never short of their criticisms of Jesus. You know, you can see this over and over. I, I think about in Mark chapter 1, Jesus has just begun to have some success. It says here at evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. You can imagine the disciples going, oh, my goodness, it's working. They're recognizing him. We are hitched to this great teacher who's going to to become well-known and respected. He healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now listen to this. In the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Christ got alone to to speak with his father. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Do you hear in that the complaint? The crowds are coming to you, Jesus, and you're out here alone. You're blowing it. You're missing this opportunity. And Jesus says, let us go into the next town that I might preach there also because for this purpose I have come. You could also look at, at John's gospel, and as Jesus preaches a very hard sermon, they come out to him, and, and remember, some people are leaving. They don't like what he's seeing, saying. It's hard teaching, and they come to him, and they say, this is hard teaching. You're, you're, you're driving people away. And Christ's response was, will you also leave? You see, they're not short on complaining. They, they think all the time they can second-guess Christ. We see it here again. Christ receives this adoration. Christ receives this gift. And yet their response is, it was a waste. It was wrong. This woman was in the wrong to offer it and to lavish it upon Christ. My friends, as we are getting to this point of thinking of what's ahead, we're in the the days here just before these most important events in human history. I pray for a moment we would just sit here and think, about the love of this woman poured out on her Savior, on her Christ. But I pray we would see in that an act of devotion that itself is just a tiny reflection, imperfect human reflection of the perfect love of Christ who gave his life for his people. Mary literally offered up her richest treasure, her most precious gift that she could think of to give. She gave it to the one she loves so dearly. I want to close asking if we have such great love for Jesus. And by closing with the words of Isaac Watts' great hymn, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast Save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, Or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, That were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Amen.